Welcome to Somniloquy, your monthly podcast about all things creative, pseudoscientific, and a little bit absurd. I'm Janat, your host, and joining me today are Joe, Jonas, and our special guest, Caitlin Cox. Hiya! Hello! Hello! Um, Hello! Hiya! There we go, hello's done. We already did hello's previously. Alright, check, we've said hello. That's true, we're just pretending to be greeting our win. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry everyone, it's fake. Um, okay, so before we start, know each other already. I know, well, a little bit. Before we start, people need to know who you are for all our three listeners. So, <laughs> one of them is Mikey. Hiya, Mikey. <laughs> so, but for the pretend stranger on the inter- internet, who are you? What do you do? Where do you come from? Where do you go? Oh, the great questions of life. Uh, I'm Caitlin. Uh, I am a first year PhD student. I started in October at Cardiff University and I'm researching classically vengeful wives and how they're rewritten into the medieval English tradition. Basically, I kind of just got fixated on the myth of Medea Mm -hmm. in third year of undergrad and decided... Yeah, I'm I'm really fascinated by these classical women who kill their kids and their husbands. I think this is great. And so I've I've managed to wrangle it so that that's what You're I'm making at. a life out of it. Yeah. Now. That's yeah. great. Excellent. And I watch a lot of television when I'm not crying over my laptop. So that's really <laughs> do both of those at the same theme. time, but true. That's great. Yes, because today, obviously, obviously there's a segue and I didn't take Leading it. Leading question. <laughs> We're talking about tropes today. I don't know whose idea it was. I don't know. Whose idea was I, it? I'll take credit. Yeah, I think it, it, I think it was Jonas me, but Jared, the credit. credit goes to Jonas. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> that's how it comes <laughs> um, Tropes. Great, we've all heard of them. Anyone want to explain what a trope is? Because I don't know. A thing that happens over and over. It's like a pattern in entertainment. Wow, you got with the answer really quickly. I was like, I was, ex- I was expecting people to go, hmm, how do you phrase though, this? Because, because they, they go so far back. I mean, you get like, tropes in medieval literature um, where they're sort of looking at these repeated memes almost that appear again and again and then how these get used. And yeah, it's just loads of fun. But, you know, we talk about tropes now in terms of television and because I would just like to say I did prepare just a tiny bit uh-huh. for this. Oh, yeah. I couldn't and tell. anyone who knows me knows how unlike me that is. I never prepare for anything in advance, so I'm quite proud of myself. But you type tropes into Google and you get all stuff about... Um, it's always television tropes and like gaming tropes. But I do think it's important, even if that's what we're talking about in this episode, because that makes more sense. It's like a relatable point that most people can connect to because everybody watches television. Um, it is important to note that they have there's such a long history that it does go way way back to you know the dawn of like entertainment. Oh, that's interesting. Much. Or not even entertainment. That I is think what me uh, me and Joe were talking about the the tropes that we dislike. I think we were talking about our our coffee shop writer. And then yeah. we uh, we were thinking, well, what tropes do we like? What are our favorite tropes? That's the trope that we get annoyed by. But which ones do we like? Uh, do, so, Joe, do you have any that you like? That you, did you come up with any? Um, I like lots of tropes. I think. What, what's your favorite? What's <laughs> I'm your not favorite? saying that as a joke. I, I mean it. I think. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Good, excellent. Um, <laughs> tropes good. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, I think 
I think we might have. I think I might have cut this out of, out of a previous episode, but I think um, when we were talking about Pokemon, remember that? Oh yes. Yeah, Pokemon. and then um, it's a typical story where the hero like ventures off on his own, and then on the road he meets a few friends, and they all they all highlight different aspects of either the world or the hero themselves, you know, and they have their own little plots going the on. Boss. And then it culminates in some end and they all play a role in the end and then the hero wins. I I think you could call that a trope. I'm not sure what the name for it is, but I enjoy it yeah, because it makes for... Journey. What's that? It's the hero's journey, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it's... Peter the, knows the trope. Uh, yeah, that's what it's called. Well, it might be a bit too broad. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah. But any in any case, maybe. it's... You see it everywhere, and but I like it because when I when I find out that a story follows that trope, I dig in because I know that I'm going to enjoy it. Ending? Yeah, I know I'm going to enjoy meeting the different characters and seeing how it all ends up, even though it follows the same exact structure every time. But yeah, I think yeah, no, I I think I get that completely. Like that that sort of feeling of like even though it's the same pattern and you've seen it and you already know how it's going to end. Sorry. No. Um, um, it's comforting almost. I mean, I've been reading fan fiction since I was like 13 now, which is half my life. I'm going to be 26 in October, like, like literally oh my half God. my life. But tropes are such a big thing in fan fiction communities. You you have things like you, your coffee shop AUs, you have like your, your uh, and they were enemies, but then, you know, like friends, like yeah. enemies to lovers or friends to lovers. And... Um, or you know, like the, the royalty AU, where and it's the same. It's the same pattern. Or you get like the soulmate one, which mm-hmm. is kind of in vogue at the moment, and they get rewritten and redone. And like every every author will put their own spin on these these things, mm-hmm. and you you know the path that they're going to take. But I love them anyway, yeah. and I will read umpteen of the same like coffee shop AU, movie star AU. Yeah like fan fiction about why do you enjoy them so much what like what do you enjoy about those kinds of tropes and those kinds of stories it's comforting you know like you you know you know you're going to enjoy it you know it's got a happy ending you know what it's working towards yeah you also the thing about fandom is like it's always a different set of characters but it'll be a set of characters that you're familiar with from another context and sometimes Sometimes canon gets it wrong, okay? Sometimes canon is horrible to characters, and the characters don't deserve that, and the characters deserve happiness, <laughs> goddammit! Caitlin, are you by any chance aware of that J.K. Rowling said that wizards, they magic the shit out of their... Yeah, villains. I know. I mean, J.K. Rowling's gotten to the point now where it's just... <laughs> the entire fandom has detached from J.K. Rowling. I could not believe like, it was real, but it turns out it's something she no, really said. <laughs> J.K. Rowling is also of the school of like being criticised for not having enough diversity in her story. Oh, yeah. So rather than so writing more diverse, yeah, like writing more diverse characters, like someone like say Rick Riordan, who's yeah. like, oh, okay, I'm taking this criticism. Yes, okay, my first series of books wasn't that diverse. No. I'll write another series that yeah. is diverse. Yeah. J.K. Rowling is like. Oh no! Wait, I do have diversity. Look at this snake. Actually, this snake is <laughs> an, an Asian an, woman, an ethnic uh, minority uh, who has always been in the series. So yes, actually, I am diverse. Yes, and Dumbledore is gay, which you know. Yeah, and we're not going to talk about that in the texts either. 
Can we say can we say that diversity has become a trope? No. No. Ooh, no. No. Ooh. No. I think. I, I think. I I think it's it's not a trope because it's representation. It's the real yeah. world. And it's not overdue <laughs> representation. You know what? It, it feels like a kind of fad. It feels like a thing that people are. What is the thing going on a bandwagon? Yeah, that's what it is because they're doing it in that way, the way that J.K. Rowling is doing it. But I think it's like if it starts off as a fad, then eventually it becomes more mainstream. And once things hit the mainstream, people aren't. It, it's almost like people aren't doing it because it's a fad anymore. Yeah, they're doing it because it's because it's almost normal. Yeah, because it gets that's how yeah. things get normalized. And yeah. I think with things like diversity and representation. That's necessary. Yeah, it's necessary normalization. And I think we shouldn't be looking at that as tropes because by <laughs> it doesn't I, follow any kind yeah, of this is not what we were just talking yeah. about in terms yeah, of they're, like they're including a variety of people is not a pattern, it's just like a thing you should do because that's yeah, how the exactly. real world is. <laughs> I mean it's yeah you'd, tropes would be like the stereotype thing. The trope like, would be like it, it's only white men in in everywhere you look that's like a bizarre <laughs> alternate reality you know that <laughs> one which i would not want to live in like you know, I'm, I'm but that's, right but that's like that. tv like, no up to a certain point, you know? that world. i'm not sure if i agree because we haven't even talked about what a trope is or isn't i thought jonas just yeah, I thought did. We covered that. yeah but i mean it, so tv tropes which is one of my favorite websites and that's why i always go to read about tropes it just mentions that a trope is a convention. No so if diversity becomes a convention, is it not a trope? And it says, furthermore, that a trope becomes a cliche when it becomes intrusive or disruptive or distracting or whatever. So when it becomes when it goes bad, it becomes a cliche. But before that, it's a trope, at least according to TV tropes. What do we think about that? Is, that, is diversity then not a trope? If, if you didn't have it in media before, but now you do. I mean, I think I think trying to call reality a trope is pretty is pretty pretty much a stretch. <laughs> oh, ooh, but I'm gonna say something. I mean, I, I, this is not a political statement in any way, but rea- reality is not that everywhere is diverse. I, that's not reality. Yeah, but most places are. Where do you live? <laughs> where do I live? I live in a country where you know it's not it's not like 100% white males, as we said, but if if you look at many... But, so, but sort of saying that there's... Like, it, it's, it's not reality. Like, everybody's different. No, no, no. Like, what so I mean by this... Than. What like, I mean is like, the following. There's, there's so much variety and there's so much... Like, you, you don't like... Okay, so maybe there is a homogenous sort of appearance to some places. Like, some places may be more predominantly white than others. But there's still so much variety going into the genetics of that sort of group. You know, you don't... Oh, well, no, I, I agree with that. But what I meant was that... Um, if I've got no idea how we got from Hitler, how we got to hear from tropes. If you have a, Joe, I feel like it. if you if you if you're gonna write a modern show or a modern movie or a modern book, you're going to try your best to make it at least a bit diverse, and I think that's laudable. That's fine, but it there will be cases of a book or a film or a, a movie having a setting where in real life it would not be as diverse as they show it to be in the media. I'm not saying that's a bad thing either. I think it's good. To have that. I'm just saying that, how is that not a trope? I still don't get that. If if you're representing, and I can't think of a good example, and I think it's better if I don't come up with, with one, because people might <laughs> get angry at me for it. But if you, 
if you if you set it in a setting that's not diverse in real life and then in your media it is diverse couldn't you consider that at least a little bit of a trope i just think they're, they're just they're different things I, I i'm not quite sure how to articulate it but like for a trope being like, it's like a contained pattern almost yeah. that kind of get like 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 a cookie cutter or something yeah. that you can like replicate and and be, just because you've got the same shaped cookie cutter it doesn't mean you're gonna decorate the biscuits the same way you know like one biscuit you could put icing on it and so it's like purple and another could be green and another could have chocolate on it you know you're not going to decorate them all the same way and i i don't see how that connects to uh, making making more of an an effort more generally in the wider world to include diversity doesn't apply yeah uh, i yeah. think also we have to go back to what convention means yes what does convention mean? Because I feel like it means, it doesn't mean one thing. It means a series of things. Yeah. Yeah. So it would have to be a kind of, we say pattern, but it's, it, yeah. There's some things, about things that kind of just get accepted and normalised yeah. and that people kind of do without thinking about perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, well, I know, I like yeah. the definition that's on the yeah. TV Tropes website because it says, above all, a trope is a convention. It can be a plot trick, setup, narrative structure, character type, etc. But you know it when you see it. I feel like that's a good criteria. Criteria. Yeah, I have. So my favorite trope is the cozy mystery. The uh, right. the the detective that is not a detective. They're like a, you know a gardener or, or a yeah, writer or yeah. somebody who just happens who just yeah. happens. Well, Poirot's sort of. Uh, he's a PI, but he's just a nosy. He, he actually—it's his job. It's his job. I'm talking about like, like you said, Miss Marple or Jessica Fletcher or uh, Rosemary and Time. Yeah. All these people who—they're not detectives. Yeah. They're not PIs. They just always happen to be near where a murder is, and then <laughs> and then like the town of Midsummer. And then, yeah, and, and then they solve it. <laughs> but, Terrifying. But I always wonder. Like I love that because like these people—they see a murder. Like every week, every week someone dies in their presence, and it, it's like, can you imagine? Yet, can you imagine? And yet that? They're, they're amazing. Diagnosis murder. Actually, they're not. Police. That was always my favorite. They're not <laughs> investigators. They just always happen to be near a murder, and, which is very suspicious to the it. actual police, if you think about right. it. Right. <laughs> I know. But these, so that's a trope in itself. But then yeah. within these shows. They all have the same types of episodes. Like, there's always an episode uh, that involves a, a winery. Someone's murdered at a winery. There's always. <laughs> this is way more specific I, than I, I thought watch. You were be. No, I'm serious. Oh, no. I watch a lot of these shows. There's always a, <laughs> yeah. a murder at a winery. There's always a murder on a train. There's always one that involves oh, voodoo. Classic. There's always a, voodoo. a seance. There's always uh, one on oh a God. boat Just, on or a yacht. It, on the subject of seances. <laughs> This is a complete tangent, but it's a thing that I really, really love. So, do either of you have Amazon Prime? I've, I think oh, yeah. I've trialed it for a month once. Okay, so there is an enormous amount of just Russian period drama on Amazon Prime. And one subject <laughs> that I discovered 
uh, or one, one series that I discovered. It's called Detective Anna, and it's about... This is a trope unto itself, but it's a 19-year-old... Uh, it's set at the, in the 1890s, sort of turn of that, the Victorian period. Uh, so this 19-year-old girl called Anna, her ability to commune with the dead reawakens one day and so obviously <laughs> obviously she turns she teams up with the newly arrived in town quite attractive young police inspector and they go about solving the murders that happen in this town <laughs> but but it's not like it, like most of the the sort of supernatural effects it, it's done by holding seances and yeah. it's done with like knocking and like lighting uh-huh. effects rather than special effects right. that you'd kind of expect from a supernatural drama perhaps made in the US or yeah. the UK. And each episode is something like two and a half hours long. So it's longer <laughs> wow. than Endeavour, even. And I adore Endeavour. For some Endeavor, reason, that's so Russian oh to me that it's two and a half hours. And, and there is only one series, but there are 52 episodes Jesus. just Whoa. in series one. It's basically Whoa. 52 movies. <laughs> no, no. But it's just like... This is incredible. <laughs> I, this is a whole new world to me because I'm not familiar with this genre. Uh, if you get, if you have like, a spare weekend or so, Joe, I'd say a spare weekend to watch 52 movies. <laughs> hey, Jeanette, what's your favorite? Imagine, I don't. I yeah. decided to be a host for this episode. Uh, <laughs> finally, finally. What's your favorite trope? <laughs> I don't. I can't muster up a favorite well, trope. What's one you hate, though? Because there's loads her, of tropes you love to hate. I think her favorite trope is the host not taking part in the discussion. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that favorite. one. I've, I've read many it. a fanfic about that particular trope. <laughs> I've lived that life. It's so ingrained. <laughs> I feel like I hate a lot of stuff. <laughs> but a lot of the ones, like, a lot of the ones to do with women and, like, portrayals of women are really problematic, I think. Yeah. Well, that, but what do you mean? Well, yeah. Give us an example. Like, okay, so like, like problematic tropes to do with like representation of women. Yeah. I think things like um, 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 um like the one where the women are introduced at the beginning and they're like really badass yeah. and you know they're like ninja fighting. Yeah. And- oh yeah. yes, it's like over overcompensating. Like the the writers can't understand the concept of a strong woman in anything other than physical oh, strength. Yeah. Strong woman, so, give me strength. A strong know, like, woman, that must mean she punches people. Um, <laughs> but like by the end, by the end of it, like yeah. she'll be introduced as like a ninja, say. Yeah. But then by the end of whatever it is, okay, so like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, we yeah. get introduced to Maid Marian and she's a ninja and she yeah. knocks him out. And then at the end, she's dragged off oh. and she just sort of stands and bleeds. My and God. Like, no, yeah. this is. Like, I love I that just film. watched that. Snake. Actually, I rewatched yeah, it but... and Kevin Costner is horrible and um, Snape stole every scene he was in. But, <laughs> but anyway, no. Alan Rickman is a babe. You know what? Alan Rickman. My mum, when I'm I was joking. a kid, whenever we used to watch that, my mum would always be like, like she would be, she would be sort of elaborating on her sexual fantasies to do with Alan Rickman <laughs> in that particular film. And I never got it as a child, but I do get it now as as a woman in her mid twenties. Like I get it. He made that movie. But anyway, yeah. that's like a tangent. But like it, it's it's because it's because the woman's role changes and she goes from. Having to be displayed as a strong woman, yeah. and she uh, she has to be. She's just part of the plot almost. She's she's a MacGuffin. She's yeah. right. something for the hero no, to but, save. But yeah. I wanted to say, like, I I rewatched that movie recently, and it was like 
physically painful and frustrating to watch that scene i know exactly what you're talking about she's like standing there watching them brawl on the floor and she's like like do something move you know like you attacked a random man who entered your house at the start of this film you could have done something like you clearly know how to use a knife pick up up something and smash she's holding like a piece of would i think if i'm remembering right but she won't like hit him with it she's like feebly like poking like yeah feebly exactly it's because it's because her purpose in the narrative has changed and it kind of shows that the the female overtakes the character yeah the the female character isn't she's not written as a female individual character of her own with her own sort of agency it's what the plot requires what's required to make the man look good do you know do you know what other trope this reminds me of a little bit Although it's probably less problematic, but there's always this, usually um, like young adult films set in a high school where all the other friends are just... They're all played by old people. That is... Yeah. And all all the friends and all the teachers and all the parents, they just, they just like... Put yeah. their life on pause just to help the main character <laughs> grow or something, and I just always it's so unrealistic. All the friends are like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, you're the best guy ever. We're gonna help you, and we don't care about our own lives." It's just like yeah. it's so yeah, weird. Got always. Their own shit going on. Yeah, we're gonna drive. We're gonna hire a coach and drive you three thousand. Yeah, miles exactly. To a different country, <laughs> so that yeah. you can meet somebody at the airport. <laughs> yeah. <or something>. yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Fuck oh me, it'll screw yeah, me. The, I don't care. Airport, um, <laughs> stopping your loved one before they get on a plane so you can say that you really love them. Yeah, that's that's the trope. That's uh... Ross Geller. Ross Geller is a trope. The trope oh, of the nice God. guy, and I hate it. You I know, hate it. I hate it. I I hate him so much. Like I used to really enjoy Ross and Rachel again when I was a kid, and I was watching Friends. Friends is, is Friends is unbearable almost and, now. And, I, I cannot stand it, and uh, the older I got, the more it's like, no, the, like, Joey's the most the yeah. most adorable one. Like, he's the yep. one I'd want to end up with out of the friends, because, okay, yeah, he's he's kind of pegged as a womanizer, yeah. and again, this is a trope, isn't yeah. it? You know, like, he's kind of like the lechy Italian womanizer with the whole how you doing thing, and that's kind of the yeah. box yeah. that they try and put him into. But actually, Joey Tribbiani, we never see he's him being really... anything less than a gentleman. Like, he breaks up with his girlfriend, he... When, when he loses interest, he doesn't lead women on. He's quite open about the fact that he, he enjoys sex. Yeah. Good on him. I'm, I'm going to assume, and like maybe this is a projection, but I'm going to assume <laughs> he practices safe sex and he isn't off spreading AIDS. Joey's really the only one that um, holds up. I used, like, to, I used to think Chandler wow. was so funny. Imagine how... You watch yeah, exactly. He's an asshole. He's like... <laughs> he's jaded. Yeah. Yeah. Like Joey, Joey's character stays true throughout yeah. and you can sort of yeah. see the development. And okay, towards the end, they kind of do ramp up the yeah. the like buffoonery yeah. side of it. But uh, his heart stays the same. You like yeah. he he is like yeah. genuinely sweet. You know when he, he when does he gets keep Rachel, a duck inside though. Yeah, but that's you know it's endearing. <laughs> I keep a duck inside if my grandmother let me. I keep any animal inside if my grandmother let me. Um, but it is interesting that what we're coming to is a kind of like the genuineness, like appreciating just what it is yeah well you're saying what it's comforting and if this character is genuine yeah that's what's appealing it's not trying to be anything else that's where the tropes feel really off and off-putting and that's when it yeah down exactly times. It's when it's trying to be something that it's, it's not. really not and putting forcing something into a box yeah that's i think exactly thing. it yeah like 
when um okay when Wonder Woman came out and everybody was kind of going way Wonder Woman it's great yeah. and then I think it was James Cameron and James Cameron was like oh but you know she's got to be sexy and like this is why I tried not to make Sarah Connor sexy because I wanted people to take her seriously and I wanted her to be strong and it's that kind of line being mm. drawn that women can't be both and like trying to it's like force again like boxes yeah. and it's like okay well yeah. And he got he got into a lot of shit for yeah. that, as I remember. And it's like, okay, I kind of see what you're saying, but also I disagree with that. Yeah. Because, because well, I, why is I there a line Like, there? I don't why... actually know this encounter that you're talking about, but I think, like, my interpretation of what he's trying to say is you don't define the character by how sexy they are. Yeah. By their appearance. No, absolutely. But then he's, he's still sort of saying is that... Like, women can't be sexy and strong at the right. same time because that's the flip side wait are you telling like, me yeah. that i tried not to make one woman sexy? <laughs> no yeah, they definitely did they yeah. definitely did okay and just just so just so no, no. but but like i feel like it seems like what i don't it seems to me like that comes from the fr frustration just with culture. Like, if you make a really well-defined, well-rounded, well-written female character, and then she happens to be really sexy, that's all anyone's going to look at. They're just going to magnify yeah. that and talk about yeah. that and talk and talk and talk. Oh, look at her legs, look at all this, and nothing else it's, will be talked about. It's the Barbie problem. Tell us about the Barbie problem. It all, the Barbie problem is, like, <laughs> <laughs> this is purely an Australian problem. Not in Wales. Not in Wales. <laughs> uh, no, the Barbie problem is. Uh, okay, so I, I'm not going to take credit for this because this, these aren't my words. There's a, a stop motion Barbie series that is the only thing I watch on YouTube, but I love it. Watch Sam and Mickey, guys. I love it. But in one of them, they have they have this whole like rant, and the Barbie problem is like everybody fixates on how she looks. You know, she's blonde. She's pretty she's got completely unrealistic proportions but she's also a career-minded woman who's had any number of jobs you know she's been a doctor she's been an astronaut I think she was an astronaut before they actually had somebody on the moon like before that was actually a Love thing that. um she, she's been a doctor how many times you know lawyer dentist all sorts of jobs that require a lot of training and so there's an argument to be made that she's she has been there as a as a toy role model for kids for what, 60 years now. It's like Barbie's 60th anniversary. Um, but all people ever focus on is the sort of blonde hair, tits out, tiny waist, unrealistic body proportions. And that's that's what gets focused on. And it's it's the focus on appearance. And if like like Jonas was saying, you know, like if you can be as well-rounded and have as much going for yeah. you as possible. But if you're sexy as well, yeah. and and make use of that and don't try and tamp down on it, then that's going to be what people focus on, and that's all you're going to be. Um, and yeah, yeah it's, it's like, it's why, just, why are we focusing I don't on know. that? It's a problem with culture. <laughs> I don't think it's a problem with culture. It's a problem uh, with biology. I, I don't know. I, I think it, there's just How too so many with biology? men who never grow up. I don't think this applies to female characters only, to be honest. Although maybe to a bit more, to a, a higher degree, maybe. I don't think this applies only to female characters, though. 
Am I the only uh, one thinking probably. that? Probably. Well, in what, in what sort of sense? In what sort of sense this problem, the, the problem... Well, if... I feel like if you've got if if you've got a show with a large female audience, then you'll get the same obsessing over the men in the show. Or am I wrong in that? I think the difference is that men are always united with something else. So, oh, they're attractive and they're like this very competent detective or yeah. They're attractive and <laughs> I don't know. Give me something. They're good at Talking. Yeah, no, they'll not, not be. Talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, they'll be confident or they'll they'll have other skills. Yeah. And it won't like there has to be some the, kind of skill. The, the sexualization, even yeah. if they are like sexualized and and yeah. like consumed by a female gaze, yeah. then that'll still be that'll come later. Okay, so do either of any of you remember Life on Mars, like early like mid two thousands? No clue, no. Okay, okay, so that was kind of, guy gets hit, hit by a car, goes back to the 70s, and he's a, he's a policeman, and he goes back and has to police in the 70s, and he gets paired up with this really brutish DCI, Gene Hunt. Um, and he, the, the guy from the future kind of learns a lot from this 1970s cop, but he also tames the corruption side of things and, like, tames down the brutality. And... That got a really big following from middle-aged women, and there was a whole like there were chat boards, and they, they called themselves <laughs> Hunt's housewives, and they completely sex they completely sexualized Gene Hunt, this sort of brutish seventies cop yeah. figure who's like beating up people in clubs and planting planting drugs on people they want to fit up to get them off the street. But he got completely sexualized and became a bit of a pinup figure. And so by the time the spin-off series then, Ashes to Ashes launched it, I think it was like 2008, um, by the time that looked like they kind of, they changed how they were presenting Gene Hunt and they were sort of more catering to that female gaze. You know, like you'd have hero shots of him walking yeah. in. Yeah. And like he, like the actor Philip Glenister had clearly been put on a diet so he was like a lot more trim. You know, he was, they were catering to that sort of, okay, he's, He's become a bit of a, a female sex icon. Um, and, okay, so hands up. 16-year-old Caitlin did have a poster of Jean Hunt on her wall growing up. Because uh, I loved Ashes to Ashes. But that female gaze, like, objectification wasn't expected. It, it came... It, 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 Organic. It, yeah, they, they kind of... It, it attached onto it afterwards and then they made a big deal out of it. And I think that in shows that are perhaps catered more to a female audience, like you were suggesting, Joan, I don't think you get male characters who are designed as explicitly just well, to be sexy for I, men as you do for women. And especially because right. that's off-putting for women. Because yeah. as, as soon as and, there's and a kind you do, of... You'll have it in things like the Ghostbusters remake... Um, where you've got Chris Hemsworth and he's just there to be eye candy, but it's also a joke and it's taking the piss out of that particular trope and it's really drawing it out. I feel like there's a slight, uh, a slight difference too. This cop character that you're describing, uh, he is, you know, self-sufficient. He's, he's skilled as you're saying, but also yeah. I would bet, I mean, I haven't seen the show, but I would bet a dollar that the camera doesn't the camera doesn't linger <laughs> on his ass. It doesn't like doesn't linger. He's not yeah. wearing no. 
I mean, it does more towards like ashes to ashes. You did get like the big hero shots as he came in, like yeah. like right, panning but, up. But, kind but of, those like, are things that a man but who's that watching was afterwards. Would be like, yeah, this guy's cool, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is, is this really mysterious though? I feel like the explanation is really simple, right? It just sells. But why why does it need to be complicated? Oh no! Just because one of you said I don't know who, but one of you said that they did, they oh. couldn't understand it. But no, it seems I, well, to me like no, I mean they. That's why, yeah. Well, that's why I said it's. That's why I said it's down to our culture. Why? Why it sells? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, the culture is that. No, well, never mind. How do we go back? How do we go back? <laughs> <laughs> what's What's your next? funny trope that you don't like or like <laughs> political trope brexit like, uh, could that, could that become like, a trope uh, it's it's not even a trope i hope it never gets repeated anywhere it's, it's constant Ugh. i know but i do have to disappoint everyone in saying i don't really i can't immediately recall anything i dislike or like but I what about to come up with stuff with like that i don't what about the chosen oh. one? Do you like oh my god! I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you what I'm sick of. I'm sick of origin stories. Uh, in, you mean in superhero in, films? Well, yeah. I, well, I'm sick of superhero films in general, but I know most people aren't. But I know. What did you think of Solo then? What did I think of what? Sorry. Solo, Hans, the Star Wars one, the most recent Star Wars extended universe uh, edition. I actually haven't seen any of the Star Wars movies since Force it's- Awakens. Is that a matter of, is that like matter of principle? I just, it's just, I don't know. I just, or are you just I, the, the tiredness of it? I'm just like, bored. Like you were saying, you were just yeah. saying you were sick of superhero films. I'm tired of the same thing over and over. I don't know. I, I want new characters, new ideas. Yeah, I have the same. I have the same fatigue with superheroes. Yeah, but well, it, we're kind of getting infer- that with Captain Marvel, um, aren't we? Like they're kind of flipping the script, or does that still like like putting a woman in the starring role it's like it's like you said it's changing the sprinkles on the same damn cookie Mm -hmm. over and over again right (laughs) i love it (laughs) such a random (laughs) metaphor but um jonas are you talking about films that are origin stories or are you talking about when they have an established character and then later no well it's just every we're we're making uh the the wonder woman movie we're making the this movie that movie it's always a damn origin story like okay okay okay, here's what we watch we watch them when they're young and incapable and then how they slowly learn to use their powers or whatever well the most recent batman films old batman i didn't watch them i'm not nearly such a batman fangirl as my younger brother so um but yeah well it wasn't the whole ben affleck is your brother he is is such a batman fangirl i have not i have not seen the ben affleck ones so i don't know no neither have i um, but I, I, I don't know. I just thought that they were kind of flipping the expectations by having old Batman who's kind of sick of everything. Oh, um, oh and right. he's he's just tired of being Batman. Um, <laughs> that would be something new. And then he new. meets young Superman, and <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I'm sorry, Ollie, sweetheart, if you ever listen to this, darling. I'm sorry I didn't listen to you when you were talking about this. So that and I. 
I might actually have something more intelligent to say because you actually know your shit about Batman. So I'm sorry, we'll darling. him next time. I think if an origin story is done well, though, it becomes a coming-of-age story, and I enjoy those. But if it's just like... I don't know. If it lacks a certain depth, then it's a boring origin story. I definitely get your fatigue with it, Jonas. It's overdone. But then again, apparently there are plenty of people yeah. who enjoy them. I mean, that's also the thing with tropes, isn't it? We all have our favorite ones and our. Yeah. Ones yeah, I've got, I've got whole lists yeah. of just like. I wish I had fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about tropes in writing? Yeah. You can if you want to. Jeanette's <laughs> like backseat hosting. I thought you were the host. <laughs> I mean, you prepared this topic, so. What you are your favorite writing? I've already established that Jonas prepared the topic. Yeah, yes, it's my fault. Uh, I'll take the blame <laughs> for how this turned out. <laughs> oh, is it going so badly? Am I a bad guest? No, Joe? you're you're a good guest. <laughs> it's just we're not prepared. Bad host, though. bad host. <laughs> What were we talking about? Writing um, tropes. Yes, writing tropes. Although I think they're largely they're topic. largely similar as other as like general media tropes, I guess. Uh, although they're probably also tropes specific to writing. Although I can't think of any. Well, I mean, body strippers. Show show don't tell. Is that a trope? In romances, um, so you know the whole Mills and Boone series. You know, yeah. like you've you've actually. Got, I've not read them since I was a teenager, but you know they're all like categorised by colour. So you've got the ones that are sort of set in, that are more sciency with a more sciency background. You've got like the doctor ones. You've got like the ones that are set out in the wilderness, and you know like the greens and the pinks. And you know if you want like period, what? like period drama, bodice rippers, where you've got like the the big gowns being all torn asunder and the windswept hair on the prows of boats you know <laughs> like I think I think Mills and Boone that kind of harlequin romance that's a, a perfect example of like tropes replicating in writing in literature yeah. and I know people don't really count them as literature because oh it's it's Mills and Boone it's romance like, romance gets a very bad name I think but yeah. is, is that because it's predominantly women writing it and it's predominantly young women or that's, like just women of all ages reading it and so that, it, it's that it, it kind of gets taken less seriously because probably, of that that's probably part of it but I mean also just the entire genre of sci-fi and fantasy doesn't get taken seriously as literature either yeah that's true I, I think it's because these things are, are seen as being for pure entertainment instead of for trying to say or do something meaningful in any way like. But could you say that the, they are they have more tropes in them than what people do consider literature? Could that be a difference? I don't know. I don't really sci-fi know what fantasy people... for for example. Well, yeah. I mean, I do of, it. What I kind do so. There in sci-fi. There's uh, well, I do associate well sci-fi. Sci-fi it's itself like... is kind of a trope. Like try to name try yeah. to name a sci-fi story that's not a group of people on a spaceship going to explore <laughs> a new planet. Like <laughs> it's like well. Yeah, it has that basic, but it's also got things like science gone bad, and then um, but aliens, with obviously, you get, large sci-fi With sci-fi, trope. you get more sort of chance to incorporate elements of other genres. Like, take Ursula Le Guin. You've got, like, the kind of... She wrote sci-fi. Yeah, and I've read fantasy, yeah. And she's, she's a very well-known... She's just a very well-known example that I'm picking off the top of my head. But you do kind of get to incorporate things like... The, what you were talking about at the beginning you know like the hero's journey kind of thing and like that 
the adventure side of things and you kind of get to incorporate more, more nuance because their ad- adventure stories may be set in space um, and it's just the location that shifts sometimes. I think you don't get as much of a clear delineation of like tropes as containers yeah. as you do with romance novels because mm. like, literally yeah. those, those books are colour-coded according to which trope <laughs> you want to read at the moment. That, that <laughs> okay. is something I, I never knew. That's the, crazy, really. <laughs> that is amazing, though. The other thing is how characters appear in those books. So I guess the problem with romance is that a lot of the characters aren't fleshed out. Yeah, they don't go through any kind of... They're not really meant to be, because no. they're meant to be self-insert. Yeah. You're meant to be able to get off to it, and like, yeah. for that, you need to be able to... Have as blank a sh- yeah. sheet as, as yeah. possible. Yeah, and, and so it's not character-driven, it's yeah. like situation-driven. Yes. And it's 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 what the role-play, almost, that you want to read at yes. the moment is. Yeah. But it's harder to attach to a character when there isn't something to, like, cling on to. Like, if it's so bare that it's, like, I don't... Vampires, that's another big trope, isn't it? Just vampires. vampires. Yeah, it's huge. Especially the attractive vampire, which is the modern version. Oh, my God. So, currently, my grandmother... (laughs) I live with my grandmother, by the way, Jonas. That's why I keep bringing her up. She a vampire. I live with my grandmother. I love my grand. But my gran is the biggest binge watcher of things I I know. Like she she just loves Netflix. She loves rewatching things. Um, for Christmas, I got her a the DVD of A Discovery of Witches. Right. Um, and she has watched that DVD so many times now. So that's about that's basically I've like it's it. Twilight, but it's classier because yeah. it's set in Oxford yeah. and and in libraries. <laughs> but it is just it's the Twilight series with less. Creepy incest, creepy paedophilia, um, and it, it's just a classed-up version of Twilight. So you've got the thousand-year-old vampire who falls in love with the mortal, and the mortal with is a in teenager. This, the mortal <laughs> is in this instant like a woman in her mid-thirties, and yeah. she's a witch, and she's educated. Yeah. Uh, but he falls in love with her, and you know, like her blood is singing to him, and. Honestly, my grandmother is just re-watching this again and again and again. And as I was leaving to come out this afternoon, really? she was yeah. just like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to re-watch my lovely vampires. Weird. Good on you. Good on you. But like, she- Imagine just the, the gap in experience if you're a thousand years old. And I know. I, I always think I about that. You've seen so many wars, plagues, just like complete disasters. Just know, You'd be the most jaded person. All that life and not really done anything. Right? Yeah. Home, it's it's <laughs> a thousand years later, still a man child, nice guy, right? Yeah, because that's the only thing that could explain the yeah. scenario where you're like, oh, I'm living a flipping yeah. trope. I'm living a trope. You know? <laughs> lots of vampires. People, you imagine living yeah. a thousand years and not knowing that you are a problem. You, I know you are the problem. I, being, to go back to exactly. being like that Imagine how useless you would feel once you found out that you're like, just like, like you're just living a like you're living you're you've lived a thousand years yeah. and you've stayed in your house you don't know how modern technology was like I still can't use a cooker. <laughs> this is clearly why you've still got to go out. Hold down a job. <laughs> well, to go back to what you were saying about the romance novels not being character driven uh, or having characters really almost at all. I think that can almost be like a, a an identifier for what people consider literature or not. Because like sci- sci-fi yeah. doesn't really have, is not known for having good characters either. It's all about the ideas, it's the true. cool ideas. And then yeah. fantasy is also usually about the world building or the huge 
epic magic you know systems. yeah magic yeah, a lot systems. of the sci-fi tropes are those ideas yeah for example time travel plots or uh, say, or aliens what did even. you say time travel time travel plots Plot. outlander oh. that's a huge sci-fi trope is when they go back in time and change things right yeah. Or robots gone rogue, or AI going bad. Yeah, but it's more I about heard the time idea. Clots, and I was so <laughs> yeah, it's all. <laughs> it's all about the ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's it. That's it. There's nothing like hooking you to it, and obviously that's the thing that Jonah says a lot with the stories that we have to decline. Um, is the fact that there isn't there isn't enough. Something about it isn't enough there's, depth. There's we yeah. no, depth. We mean there's nothing specific. to make me care about anything that's happening. Well, you that's know, if there's no harsh. character, well, uh, yeah, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> but I'm, like the thing is, you can do it. There's a reason sci-fi is really, really popular. Is if the yeah. idea is interesting enough, you don't need characters. And I, I give this example all the time. As uh, it's, I know I'm going to say his name wrong. This is going to be embarrassing. Uh, but this Chinese writer. Sixin Liu, C I X I N L I U. I don't know how to say <laughs> You're it. Definitely wrong. It sounds wrong to me. Oh, you I'm very it. sorry, but <laughs> how dare you, Jonas? But I'm telling You're you, letting us all down. That that book blew my mind. Every single chapter, every chapter was some crazy new thing I had never, I had never thought of. No, it's not in Chinese. But <laughs> <laughs> he could have expanded every chapter into its own novel with actual with wow. actual characters and stuff and you know stuff like that. But no, he just put like idea after idea after idea after idea and I loved it. And there was like hardly any character stuff in there. But I think you have to So it's it, possible you have yeah. to do it like really, really well for it to be good if you don't have any interesting character or yeah. human thing to identify with so I think another thing is genre i was thinking of was uh was heist the heist genre oh because i mean it's, it's not a big genre but if if it's a good heist film i don't really care about the character i just want to see the plan unfold right no, yeah. and that's the pleasure is in that i get very invested so, in characters which i think yeah, is, is that's why, why fan fiction why, why, I, fan fiction is why i read fan fiction but it's it's like the the blandness of people in in tropes you know like you can that's why it works so well in fan fiction because you can take a couple from a television series that you love who didn't get that happy ending and you can just sort of drop them into a scenario yeah and and explore what they would do yeah and and you already know what those characters are like because they'll have been developed hopefully if the writing is good on the show or on in the film or in the book or in the book yeah you'll you'll know like (laughs) the core or in the song like concepts that make that character who they are and that it's almost like it's a safe playground to explore and and to sort of see okay well what would this character do and in that kind of sense it's kind of in the trope itself. It's okay. Yeah. But then the other thing is that don't you find that the, the stories that you persist with or maybe like go back to or reread are the ones where they do something so well with the character. Like they And it's redefine like you're watching it. it. Yeah, they redefine it or like they kind of make something that didn't make sense in the TV or the book or the film yeah. make sense oh, in def- that context. Definitely. And that's what it is. It's that yeah. kind of, if they're able to like draw out the character and make it, not just the trope. That's yeah. when you're gonna yeah, kind so of the appreciate trope, the, tr- the writing. The best, the best kind of tropes. But in that sense, yeah. it's like when 
they're a starting point. They're yeah. not the whole thing. Yeah. They're just a starting point and it yeah. becomes a playground that you can open up other yeah. possibilities. Yeah. And I think in yeah. like television then and in books, literature, when we're reading about, when we sort of read tropes, it's, it is about opening up that sort of experience and seeing something new from the familiarity. Yeah. This is why we keep watching. Yeah. This is, yeah. Because otherwise it's, it's an unnecessary task. But there has to be something that matters to you in that kind yeah. of scenario. Either it is that the plot or the plan unfolding or the ideas or yeah. the character. And it depends on who you are and what, and obviously yeah. the tropes that you like are dependent on the things that are at the heart of what you care about. So this is good writing advice, <laughs> I think. If you identify what it is that you really care about, whether or not, whether it's character or plot or idea, take that and run with it as far as you can. Yeah. And then come back. Yeah. <laughs> and then come back. Come back next week. Or We've next solved time. it. <laughs> and then come We've back. We've solved it. <laughs> I mean, you can come back to this podcast. <laughs> you so tuned. <laughs> Does anyone have anything else to say about tropes? Uh, Loads, but not like enough for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, too much for this episode is what I mean. I mean, the remainder, which is four. I mean, is there a kind of fruit that you prefer? Fruit? Yeah. Yeah, fruit. What's your favorite fruit? I like like berries. Berries. Yeah, yeah, berries. Good pick. Good pick. <laughs> and also oranges. Things. I don't have a. I don't have a sweet tooth at all. So just like I can eat an apple, and an apple is fine. Yeah. But any like two apples, that's too too sugary. Too much natural sugars oh. for my teeth. I like apples and oranges. And there berries. you go. You have both apple. apple. Yeah, like little. Like again, I can't have a whole big orange because it's too much. I, like I don't like bears though. Little clementines. The, yeah, the clementines like are great. Yeah, pears. I don't oh, get pears. people like pears. <laughs> I don't yeah. like pears. Pears brew so yeah. easily. Pears are disgusting. It's, basi- it's basically remember- an inferior apple. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is an inferior apple. Yeah. But I and remember from like mis-shaped. primary school, like holding the pear, you know, on the the pear end, you know, the yeah. the, the, the end, end. Yeah. You know, like the you know, you know what I mean. The thin and then it gets the warm, and then it's like, why do I want to eat this <laughs> bit that I warmed with my hand? It's gross. It's ruined. You know what I learned earlier this week, and no, I was I horrified by. It. No. Apparently, Mango. beer, you're meant to drink at room temperature? That just sounds yeah. disgusting. No, what? this is only in the UK. That's only what, very what strange. What tastes good at room temperature? Room temperature is the worst temperature for food or drink. It like, is. cups of tea at room temperature? Hold no. on, hold on, hold cups on. Of hold on. There's it's... loads of food we eat at room temperature. Yeah. Well, in fact, most five. of our food. Cookies. Mm-hmm. I don't really uh, eat them. That's why you don't. Yeah, that's food. food. Cake. Don't uh, eat cake. Water. <laughs> you can drink. No water. No. <laughs> why would you have water at room temperature? Go away. No, uh, no you, you can eat. though. It's fine if you drink it at room. No, you have to. It's like not. Cold. It's not satisfying. Uh, rice crackers. No, uh, don't other crackers. Types of potato chips. Crackers. That's, yeah, potato okay, chips. I Fruit. I do want cold crisps. Oh. That's weird. <laughs> Almost all the fruit that you know. You eat at room temperature. Bread. Uh, no, I always run my fruit under a cold tap so that it's cold. I do that with grapes all the time. It's just like room temperature is a disgusting temperature, I think. 
No, it isn't. It really isn't. Think of all the things you eat at room temperature. But I don't eat many things at room temperature. Everything lives in the fridge. Jeanette was like boldly like, name five as if I could never do that. (laughs) Name five. Water doesn't count. Water's not food. Water needs to be cold. Yeah, but we named named at least five that were not water, so. I drink water at room temperature if it's, you know, I just put it in a cup and drink it. Don't eat chocolate so much. And, and then again, chocolate. when I do, I eat. Uh, Galen, it doesn't matter. If I, you don't I put my chocolate in the freezer, <laughs> to be honest. So. What? Yeah, I do freezer? sometimes as well, but you can eat it at room temperature. It's fine. Just, Why would you put I it in the freezer? So that it's crunchy. It is pretty I think. I think in general, making food cold is too gross. Think of how many foods are disgusting when you make them cold. I think potato chips are a good example. That would be horrible. I mean, they wouldn't. They wouldn't be that bad. Wait, do you mean yeah, chips? As in chips, or do you mean crisps? cold chips? Are gross. Yeah. I mean crisps. 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 crisps? Yeah. Cold crisps wouldn't really affect you at all. Same yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think that would change anything, Joe. <laughs> like, or well, chips, for that matter, are better at room temperature than they are cold. That's true, what? but they're not better at room temperature than they are hot. No, of what? course not. I don't know what you're talking about anymore. Chips. Um, yeah. What do you mean? I'm lost. Yogurt. You eat yogurt sometimes at room temperature. No! What are you on? <laughs> Definitely. Pizza. No. Pizza. No. <laughs> what? Jonas, what are you well, saying? Well, if, if it's too, if it's hot, it's it drips everywhere. Yeah, that's the best thing about pizza. It makes How a mess. Luke, what? It's not I, the I best thing about pizza. You're right. Cheese. Oh, no, again, fridges. It either has to be hot and melted or yeah. from a fridge. <laughs> None of this makes it's sense. It's just something, okay, it's something that I learned this Berries, week. Berries, strawberries. realisation that I have very strong feelings about the temperatures of things. Raspberries. <laughs> I'm, I'm... I agree. I'm exactly the same. I yeah. can't drink a and tea realize... if it's like below optimum yeah. temperature. You guys are the reason for global warming. <laughs> you, you didn't need to cool all just your food. Just you two. Wow, we're so powerful. We well, didn't even know. There's a fridge in every house. Joe, get rid of your fridge you before you speak. Who cools their grapes? I've never heard of that. Joe, get rid of your cooker as well. Evan, <laughs> <laughs> your fridge. That's it. You have everything at room temperature. Enjoy. Rice rice crackers, though. You don't no, need to I don't eat that. That's such a specific one that people really... <laughs> why, am I, why am I not allowed to name specific... I thought we were naming specific foods. All crackers. All kinds of crackers and uh, crisps yeah. do not need to be... Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Party food, we're saying. Goldfish crackers? Yeah, exactly. thought you were just going to yeah. go with goldfish. <laughs> Jelly bellies. <laughs> You monster! Any type of sweet, actually, all the sweets. I don't eat sweets. I, and maybe this is where I'm missing out. You know, this I don't. Is why eat you don't foods. understand what room temperature? Yeah, is. I, d- I don't eat any of the foods or drink any of the drinks that are best. What about what about mints or gum? Yeah, mints, good good one. You do oh, you man. do you microwave your gum before you chew it? <laughs> wow, <laughs> sick. <laughs> Okay, but maybe maybe because Wales is usually quite cold, so the gum that's in my handbag when I have it in my handbag it's will always, be cold because it's yeah, cold outside. That's wonderful. <laughs> you know what I love when you leave a bottle of water in the car and it's so freezing that when you go oh. back to it, it's cold. It's like this is a fridge. It's, it's an external fridge good. that I didn't know I needed. Anyway, um, thanks. 
Yes. Thanks. Thank you. Right. Thank you so much for listening <laughs> to Somniloquy. Huge <laughs> thanks to our patrons over at <laughs> patreon.com forward slash lucent dreaming for making this podcast possible. As always, join us next month for another episode of your favourite nonsense and more sleep talking with friends. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. Microwave the podcast before listening.